Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Letter of Law Interviews. My name is Sarthak Bharadwaj, and in the 13th episode of this interview series, I'm so happy and delighted and thrilled to be in conversation with Ms. Apurva Vishwanath. Ma'am is a legal journalist. She graduated from RML and LU Lucknow and started her career as a legal journalist right, right after that. She has previously worked with Live Mint, The Print, and is currently the assistant legal editor with the Indian Express. I thoroughly enjoy reading Ma'am's articles on the Indian Express. And uh, Ma'am, I'm so happy that we have this opportunity to sit together and, uh, and talk. Thank you so much for taking the time out and being here with me. Thank you, Sarthak. This is, um, like I was saying earlier, very productive use of your time in college. I can't think of a better way to uh, do this than in the pandemic. Uh, but before you start, I have a, I have a housekeeping uh, thing. No, ma'am, please. I'm oh. Apura. I've always been Apura sure. even in college. Yeah, we'll sure. do that. No problem. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, so Apurva, uh, to start this off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I was going through your Twitter and your bio tells me that you're a law school survivor. So I'm excited to see what your experience in law school was like and what made you choose a career in legal journalism. So I did start out uh, wanting to study law. Uh, you know, this is something that um, happened accidentally, but not in, you know, a very... Uh, broad sense. So I did go to a journalism school. I wanted to be a journalist as long as I can remember. Um, I used to, you know, you, you, I had that atmosphere at home where my father would have four or five newspapers in the morning and we would talk about it. We would debate, fight about it, all of it. So, uh, but for about a year, year and a half, when my um, grandfather was unwell, it used to be my job to read him the news. So he couldn't read from the newspapers himself so I would read it out loud um, I would read the headlines and if he liked it then I would read the whole uh, you know story so and I would do that in Telugu Kannada and English oh. business papers regular newspapers so I had this obsession you can say with news and I think as long as I can remember I wanted to be a journalist uh, I did enroll myself in a journalism honors course but um for the lack of a better word, I found it boring. I thought, you know, my, in fact, um, I, I may have judged it pretty soon. I only attended one class. And, um, and I think the first class they were teaching us what you should do in a press conference. Um, and someone, uh, the professor who was teaching wrote up on the board said, um, sit in the front row and ask relevant questions. So I was far more familiar with um, you know, how questions are asked or because I used to watch news obsessively. So I would, I knew what um, each of those, you know, I, be, I used to pretty much only watch NDTV. So I, I knew a lot of the reporters by their names, where they had studied uh, these things. So that, that obsession remained and I thought um, maybe I should study something else and not journalism, which in hindsight has been a very uh, good decision. Um, studying law, like I keep saying, is like, you know, it's, it makes you a bit of a jack of all. Uh, you learn a lot of things in five years. Uh, but at the end of five years, I came out with um, something that's far more valuable, which is to be able to just read better, uh, be able to dissect information better. Um, that which I don't know if I would have understood that so much better if I was in a journalism school. Right. 
ma'am sorry apurva you know i in my view i think and correct me if i'm wrong i i think legal journalism still a fairly new field it's it's developing you know early, traditional newspapers and media houses do have separate columns where they cover courts but it is only now that we see completely dedicated entity in itself that's legal journalism so when you were starting out um what kind of challenges did you face as as a very young legal journalist who also did not have a jo- uh, i mean a conventional degree in journalism so were there any sort of challenges that you faced no i i don't agree with that uh, satik because i thought i think a lot of media houses uh, i mean every media house the one beat so to speak that they take very seriously is the legal beat um if you uh, and i don't think it's a fairly new development you've had fantastic journalists like manoj mitta uh, b venkateshan who still writes for the front line um you know fabulous journalists who did a great job of covering courts but i think the way in which courts have covered has changed a lot over the last say 5 or 6 years and that's for a whole different set of reasons uh it's not because media houses were are paying more attention to what's happening in courts um but um i didn't set out to you know um cover courts like you know i joined mint that was my first job um even when i was interning earlier i'd interned in a few media houses before uh, with hindu ndtv um and economic times so everywhere i went um there was this thing that you know since i'm i was a little bit more familiar with what what happens in courts um i naturally gravitated towards it but um but when i even when i joined my first job i wanted to cover politics i didn't think of myself as a legal journalist that way um but 2015 when i started working the ngac hearing was happening uh, that mm. seemed very momentous to miss that opportunity so when i was asked to go cover it i jumped in and i thought you know i'll do it for 3 months and then ask for a change in beat 3 months became 6 months and a year and i realized this was a niche that i could continue working in so i think that's how it happened uh, but no I, like i was saying there are some excellent journalists some people who've been tracking the court um, their institutional memories almost of 25 30 years um, even today you have these journalists in the supreme court so um, of course in the last 4 or 5 years what has happened is uh, with the advent of you know instantly like you know tweeting about courts or uh, also that a lot of constitutional cases have happened in the last 4 or 5 years that grabbed everyone's attention so the way you write about courts has changed it's not dry boring or very esoteric that other people don't understand so there's a conscious effort now to um demystify make it simpler i think that's the difference that you're seeing now right i i do agree with that actually before i move on to my next question apurva i i just want to uh, get your thoughts on this you mentioned the njac thing that was happening and how that really uh, piqued your interest as a legal journalist have you ever felt that you are while reporting only at the sidelines or do you think no we are the ones who are actually generating awareness and creating uh, i mean bringing information to the minds of the readers or have you ever missed being a lawyer and actually appearing in court and arguing uh Um, because i think even in college or i was very clear about what i wanted to do so i didn't miss action that way but i think that learning process was um something that 
blew my mind compared to what I was learning in college. Um, I think a couple of hearings, for example, like NJAC, or subsequently um, the there was one case about um, Arunachal Pradesh. So where you know the just the discussion on the powers of a governor and the role of a governor in a constitutional democracy, these things took you back to your classrooms, and it just made me realize that what I had learned in classrooms was minute, like or you know next to nothing. So just they were like master classes by um, themselves. So hearing Fali argue or uh, in Adi Arunachal, just Abhishek Manu Singhvi. So these became like I I still have those notes and I look back at it and that's something that I don't think I would get even in college. Uh, but um, no, as a journalist, you know I I don't know how other people perceive it, but you are just documenting what's happening. Um, my I don't look at myself as somebody who's in the thick of action. I am on the sidelines watching it, carefully observing it. Uh, because I'm on the sidelines, I have an advantage that I, th- it offers a very special vantage point from where I can see things that people might miss when they are in action. So, and that's essentially what you do, right? You write about that and that's about it. I don't think, I, you know, you're not in the thick of action. You are actually on the sidelines in the visiting gallery, looking and observing, uh, recording this for posterity. Right. Ma'am, you, uh, Apoorva, I'm so sorry, it's just a force of habit for me. No. Uh, so, Apoorva, you mentioned that, you know, you got to, uh, wa- you get to watch legends and doyans of the bar like Mr. Nariman and Dr. Singhvi argue. And because you are working in the uh, journalism industry, have there ever been incidents where, you know, some senior counsels have reached out to you? Because you're obviously reporting and you're shaping public opinion. So, have they ever reached out and said that, hey, you know, perhaps write favorably for us? Or, or just, or have they ever said that what you reported, we don't think it's accurate. So has there ever been a um, scuffle like that? No, when people tell you, um, especially when you write um, sort of analytical pieces, um, there are lots of lawyers who say, I don't agree with this point of view. And I think this should be, uh, this should have been read like this. Those happen. Uh, but what you, what as a journalist, what I would look for is, something to be fair and accurate that's that's about it right so but i don't think there is there are senior advocates who reach out and say right favorably i don't think they they care about that Uh, (laughs) yes you do have a lot of lawyers who you know young lawyers i would say or otherwise who um do a fair bit of pr for themselves you know they make friends with court reporters or um send their pleadings planes as soon as even before it's filed sometimes or um, make these requests. Can you say advocate so-and-so assisted by so-and-so? Okay. Uh, these sort of requests you do get, but I don't think senior advocates really, they care about what's being written about them, but I don't think they care enough to reach out and have it uh, one way or the other. I understand. This actually brings me to my next question. Um, we see a lot of PIL action happening at the Supreme Court and the High Courts uh, more so recently. And we are seeing that a lot of it turns out to be frivolous, which, which is often dismissed with costs. And I was reading an article in a newspaper where, where, which said that perhaps journalists shouldn't write about these frivolous PILs so much because it gives them popularity and it motivates young people, young law students to actually move the court with these frivolous PILs. What's your opinion on this? Do you think that 
frivolous PIs should not be reported, or because it has been filed, you have a duty to tell people that this is happening. It is an open court, right? It is an open court. It is a reportable order. Uh, but I think there is. Uh, so I don't know why these shouldn't be reported. If the court is accepting them, hearing them, giving it its time, uh, judicial time is very valuable. And if a uh, court is actually giving court, uh, you know cases these times, I'm not just talking about what's happening now. Um, I remember this one particular uh, case, uh, PIL, where it, they asked for banning of jokes against Sikhs. So they wanted, they listed out even some Santa Banta jokes yeah. on an affidavit and said you have to ban all of these. Uh, that PIL was given at least like five or six substantial hearings, you know. Wow. Um, and so if I think it's an institutional issue and there are ways to be dealt with. Um, journalists reporting on it or not is a very minuscule portion. Of course, they're done for publicity, uh, but they get the publicity only when court agrees to hear, right? If the court throws it out and, you know, uh, imposes costs on the petitioner, they're not likely to file it again. Having said that, um, there is some responsibility in how you report this, right? So um, I had a practice when I wrote about a PIL by ML Sharma, I used to write uh, about, also I used to have a line which said his last PIL was dismissed with costs or wow. something like that. Um, or when I say, you know, um, for example, um, during the medical college scam, there was a PIL that the court agreed to hear and they said, they reiterated that the Chief Justice of India is the master of roster. Okay. So the petitioner is the same guy who uh, in an earlier case, it was the, his PIL was dismissed for costs. So I would note that this is the same petitioner earlier that was done but this time so it signifies that the court also uses this as a tool of convenience that's um you know you give context and you let people make their own judgment uh but for example like juhi chabla case that happened right this yeah. is something that all of us talked about um if you saw a lot of headlines refer to her as environmentalist um and these were you know um what are the credentials? How do you do you put her environmentalist tag over Bollywood actor? Uh, these are part of responsible reporting, but ultimately it is an institutional problem, right? Every court is handling with these. You throw them out, they will stop filing. Right. I that's fair, and I do agree with that. Um, so Apurva, the next question relates to something that we spoke about slightly earlier. You you said that the way reporting is done these days has slightly changed. And um, I think this is largely because of the advent of newer platforms like LiveLaw and Bar and & Bench. And uh, so in your opinion, how do you think the workings of a traditional newspaper, Hindu, Indian Express, Hindustan Times, is different from these new platforms like LiveLaw and Bar & Bench? No, I think for one, um, in, in terms of news gathering, there is no difference, right? Like as a reporter, what do you do? Um, you know, if you're covering the court on a day-to-day -day basis, um, which I used to do fairly regularly at some point of time, uh, you look at the cause list, you make a list of what you think are important cases. Uh, you go to each court, you track the proceedings, you write about them. Uh, for a national newspaper, I would say the difference is that there is a larger political context for a lot of these cases, which is reflected in how important a story is or is it. Um, but that is not so um, 
at least for um, some a portal like Bar Invention Live Law, um, their audience is largely the legal fraternity, advocates, law students, judges themselves. You know, very different. Uh, it's changing now. Uh, you have a lot of people much more interested uh, in live law and bar invention. So, which is why you also see them providing more context now. Um, but in terms of news gathering, there's absolutely no difference. Um, in newsrooms, everywhere you have at least one or two layers of uh, scrutiny over what you write. Um, you know, we pitch our stories. We um, estimate which is more important or which gets more space in the paper. Uh, and you write accordingly. It's more collaborative, perhaps, in a newspaper, because if I'm writing a story about um, Allahabad, there is uh, our colleagues in UP will pitch in. Uh, it, you know, there's more context. Uh, I think that's the only difference. Otherwise, I don't see much of a difference. But if you look at how um, courts are covered traditionally, uh, earlier, I would say, was fairly conservative in its approach. As in, um, you know, they would write about it very carefully. Um, now, uh, and reporting uh, oral observations, perhaps, or um, providing this additional context, like I said, with PILs, right? Just saying that the court is using it as a tool of convenience. These sharper observations are made much more now with the advent of portals like Live Law and Bar and Bench and all of these. Um, one simply because if you don't say it, someone else will. So you might as well say it. Um, and things like that. Uh, the coverage has become a little more sharper, uh, perhaps, than what it used to be earlier. Right. Uh, this, this is a very nice segue into the next question that I have. Another shifting trend in legal journalism is the concept of live tweeting. Now, of course, there are only a few platforms that do it. Traditional platforms, I haven't come across traditional newspapers, live tweeting. So what's your take on, on this concept of live tweeting? Do you think it, it, I mean, it increases accessibility and the accountability of courts, or is it just, uh, or, or do you think it should go? No, I don't think it should go. Um, it, I mean, it is accessible to a lot of people, right? For people who don't have the time to pick up and read, say, an 800-word article that I right you know may look at it with tweets but there's a lot of danger in you know what we do but that's with everything else like my story can be misread um or perhaps a tweet of live law can be misread um good practices are where live law puts up a thread and doesn't put tweet in isolation you know just doesn't take a random thing said in court and tweet but they put it in a thread uh things like that but i don't think there's any issue with live tweeting per se as long as you give context um you understand why the judge said what he said um i don't think there's an issue at all but um there are other problems you know uh, because there are lawyers who like tweet um there are uh, i have seen law clerks sometimes interns sitting in the gallery who like tweet oh. um so that when you um for example, the entire Aadhaar case, the lawyers on the team were like tweeting. Yeah, right? I followed that. So, uh, but uh, again, the caveat was they said that they are the petitioners and they have an interest and you should filter it appropriately. Um, so that that's about it. You filter it accordingly and look at it. Uh, but providing that context, for example, uh, like in most hearings, um, the judge asks questions in a very probing way to make sure the lawyer gets to the answer or the lawyer looks at things in a different way. 
so they are not necessarily beliefs held by the judge um, if that is conveyed clarified um, i don't think there's a problem but having said that i think live tweeting now is like an old story uh, yeah. with live streaming of courts and when you can see what's happening that's going to change the game all completely um i have to, i have tweeted about hearings earlier like you know the entire hearing perhaps earlier where um where there's a lot of you know it's a, it's a complete chain this context it's easy for people to understand um i once had an editor who said i wish we could put the entire thread on a newspaper yeah. it's that it's more easier to read than you know reading an 800 word story that for some things it may be more useful but uh for why a lot of traditional media houses don't do it is because our product is different um the audience for me is are those who pick up indian express in the morning and read um for a television reporter it's the eyeballs on his channel and not really the tweets the tweets help they amplify uh, but they are not the product that i'm working for you know uh my intention is to have all my notes which is comprehensive enough for me to write my story for the paper so i think that's why you see bar and bench and live law doing most of the live tweeting yeah. as opposed to a lot of other journalists who cover the court right so uh, these were the questions that i had from a professional sort of working of legal journalism now some questions from yeah. a student's perspective you know um i yeah. see that lately legal journalism is becoming a fairly popular career option a lot of my friends in law school are actually you know they want to become legal journalists after graduation but as far as i know there isn't really a streamlined process of recruitment so how does one become a legal journalist especially because law students don't have a journalism degree so should they do should they go to journalism school or if not how how does a law student after graduation become a legal journalist so there are two things to it i get a lot of you know questions on say linkedin or facebook uh, asking i want to be a legal journalist tell me the scope of it yeah. so i think the uh, first question you ask yourself is do you want to be a journalist or is it that you think because you studied law you want to write about the law they have two very different things and when you ask these questions to yourself you understand what you want to do better i write about courts but that doesn't mean i will not go out and report on the pandemic right when you are in a, a mainstream media house um your beat is not something that you choose uh, of course if you come with certain expertise or you develop that expertise over time a beat becomes yours you continue doing that but for a lot of young journalists it's something that you are assigned um in fact a lot of media houses you have during your training you are actually moved around you learn a bit of page making you learn a bit of editing you're on the desk and then you know you also report so um it's not something that you choose particularly if you want to be a journalist then that's the route okay you know you you, you uh, if you want to be a news gatherer that's the route so you actually you know i I when I was interning, I covered municipal elections. Um, I covered um, milk prices being increased. I you know I I was asked to go to a nearby place and just see what the effects of increased milk prices are. So you begin at a very different place. 
I think a lot of people also confuse, especially in law schools, confuse writing opinions about right. the law to be legal journalism. And there's a big difference, right? That's not um, what legal journalism is. Uh, of course, if you are writing, if you if you end up working for a portal which is solely focused on reporting on courts, reporting on the law. For example, live law and bar and bench, you may continue doing just that. But if you're in a mainstream media house, you wear many hats and you move around. So I think first question that students should ask themselves is that whether you want to be a journalist or whether you think because you are in law school, you have a lot of opinions on the law and want to write about that. The second one is also very acceptable, but it's just you should be clear about what you want to do. Right. right. So uh, Apoorma, just if someone's in law school and they are you know, seeking to become a legal journalist, um, should they focus more on, you know, writing academic papers. Of course, that's, that's, I mean, that's one part of law school. It's a very important experience. Or maybe during the later years, they should start focusing on more journalistic writings that gets their work noticed. And perhaps they can then approach some media house for a job or an internship. No, um, of course, it's a combination of both. I don't think you can um, slack off on your academic training that you can, you get in law school. Um, to make you a better journalist, it, it, it's that's that's not the preferred uh, way. But of course, writing in simple terms, right. clearer ways, writing for a general audience is something that's a skill that you acquire. And if you acquire it sooner, that's great. If even before you start your job, I don't think I had that when I started working. You know, it took me time. There were editors who right. changed copies, uh, would ask me, uh, "Why are you saying this instead of that?" Um, so, you know, it's a lot of ex just explaining, right? So you learn that over time, but, um, being able to write well is not the only attribute of a journalist, yeah. uh, fair and impartial reporting. That's about it. So if you look at newsrooms, um, this is something that I was told very often. It's okay. If you can't write well, um, as long as you get it correct, there are always people who will help you write better. Um, your copies are necessarily looked at by an editor. Um, they make it better without good editors in the newsrooms. I don't think any journalist can um, ever be a good journalist. Uh, so there are sometimes gaps in your stories. You know, editors who look at it say you're not exp that. You know, I don't understand how you're making this connection. Um, get more information. Um, so these are these are more important than just being able to write well. If you write well, uh, I mean. Not everybody who writes about the law is Pratap Bhanumata, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. He writes well and he understands it. I agree. <laughs> so, so as a legal journalist, if you want to explain the law, you write it simply. Uh, but that's something that you acquire, you learn. Uh, but I think essential is being fair and accurate, like I said. That's very interesting. Actually, just to rewind a little, I, I'm very interested to know how... Uh, actual newsroom works because from what I hear from you it seems like it's a very collaborative experience feedback is happening in real time so how has all yeah. of that shifted in in the pandemic times I suppose the offices are probably shut so I'm sure it must be a very different kind of experience so how has it been like for you no I, I think um, physical we all really miss physical spaces but uh, a lot of our work happens outside the office so um, even before the pandemic, it's not that I would be in office, you know, uh, eight hours a, a day, like like most 
offices are supposed to be right uh, my day would if i was going to court i would go to court at 10 in the morning um, you come back when the court is shut and then you start uh, figuring out what is uh, what's the story for the day or the stories for the day and then you write so it's but of course now the meetings have shifted to zoom um, you know we but going out for reporting that still happens oh. it's only in the last couple of um, months that you know a lot of us have been able to access virtual links um, at home otherwise even for supreme court my colleague who covers supreme court would go to court sit in the press lounge and watch the proceedings so um, that's changed only now but otherwise you know it's it's the same it, a lot of your work happens outside the office and not inside and uh, about you know at the end of the day you're writing that can happen also from anywhere you are true Uh, all right so coming to the final set of questions that i have now um apurva most law students spend a considerable amount of money in their legal education i mean it's not cheap be it a national law school or i mean of course if you're in private then it's a lot more um and if they're looking i mean for that reason i think um a corporate law firm job seems very lucrative now if someone is thinking of making a career in legal journalism do you think it's viable in terms of monetary returns or is it like litigation where you'll have to spend about 10 15 years before you can start making any real money there's a difference there also uh, in litigation you spend 10 15 years and at some point you start making money yeah. uh, i don't think the same can be said of uh, you know journalism and this is a refrain that um, i heard a lot when i told people i want to be a journalist um, you know journalists who i interned with media houses they would say if you have a professional degree go use that because there's no money here and i think the same holds true um, the pay scales are um, drastically different when you compare it to what you would um, get in law firms uh, the but I, but also having said that the motivations for doing this job are also very different right so that is something you have to keep at the back of your mind uh, but um, a lot of starting salaries in journalism don't cover even your rent if you are in delhi wow. you know uh, there there is that huge uh, problem when it comes to you know as as an entry level uh, job it gets better uh, but i don't think you have you can even compare that to law firm salaries um it, of course uh, with th- that's not to say that you you will never make any money or something to sustain yourself but the motivations for doing this job if it's money then don't do it right that that makes sense um so apurva before we conclude today's conversation uh, this is the final question you know that i ask all the guests who are on letter of law um are you into reading and if yes what kind of books do you like to read and if you have any recommendations for us we'd love to know them um of course i um you know uh, if if there i i i don't know if i can give you recommendations off the top of my head but um something that stayed with me from my readings in law school also was um a lot of um, gabriel garcia marquez's non fiction writing is something that you know in so many ways catapulted me to be in being a journalist also that's something that i really enjoyed reading uh but read a lot of non fiction um if you even want to be in a career like this uh understand different things what's going on uh don't just go by what 
was said in this judgment. Uh, for example, if you're reading uh, the bank nationalization case, read about the social, political, and the economic situation or this uh, event set led to it and what happened, the fallouts. Um, I think that should be essential reading than um, just focusing on what was said in court, what was the legal fight about. That's something that we learn in law school anyway, right? But yeah. uh, a lot of reading around it is what will help you, even if you're litigating, I suppose, um, than what's, what was just said in courts in the judgment. Um, so with this, we can come to an end of today's conversation. Thank you so much, Apurva, for taking the time out and being here with me. I really enjoyed speaking with you and uh, I hope that we can stay in touch in the times to come as well. Thank you so much, Satak. And I hope, you know, these were really, really intelligent questions and, and I, I hope it helps people because a lot of uh, messages that I get on uh, LinkedIn are very broad and sometimes I'm unable to answer to those broad questions, but I, this conversation was entirely different and I hope it helps a lot of people.